Welcome to the Perimenopause Power Podcast. We are Lisa and Natalie, two certified holistic health coaches passionate about helping women embrace their physiology to elevate their highest potential for confidence, health and energy. Perimenopause will be unique to you and each episode gives you the power in knowing that you can define your own journey. Let's get into today's episode. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Perimenopause Power. Lisa and I are together recording a wonderful episode. We are, and uh, always nice to do them in person together now. It is, and we have a wonderful guest for you today, and we're sure we're going to have some real in-depth conversation. But let me introduce you to Lillian Nijad. She is a clinical psychologist and author with over 25 years of experience in a variety of settings, including public mental health services, universities, private practice, and community and corporate organizations. Lillian is committed to making accurate and evidence-based mental health information and strategies more easily accessible. To achieve this mission, she founded Skills for Life, an online portal of mental health and wellbeing programs and resources that address stress, anxiety, and sleep. And she recently released Contain Your Brain, an app that helps people worry less and worry better. Lillian is also the author of two books on stress, anxiety, and sleep, and she has recorded multiple albums of mindfulness and relaxation exercise. Welcome to the Perimenopause Power Podcast, Lillian. Thank you so much, Nat and Lisa. It's great to be here. We are thrilled to have you and uh, obviously very aligned in terms of what we love to do in our work and and our passion in supporting people's health and in particular uh, mental health as well. We'd love to know, we obviously learned a little bit about you from your bio, but where has your passion for supporting others around mental health come from? Oh, look, I think it's for so many reasons uh, and probably has developed over time as well. But I think the main thing is that I really like and enjoy people. And there's something about connecting and collaborating with people that I find really energizing. And also because it feels good and I see it as a real privilege um, to be trusted, to help people make positive changes in their lives. And I think the probably one of the main ones is also because it's helped me grow as a person as well. I'm just hearing so many stories and witnessing the strength and the resilience of my clients um, and seeing all the change, um, it's really inspiring and it actually teaches me a lot about myself as well. Mm. Yeah, love that. And I have to concur as well that I think we all go on our own sort of learning journey when we're supporting others. And as much as we're there to make impact on the lives of other people, the reward that we get as well is just uh, second to none really, isn't it? Totally agree. And I think the, it really helps your empathy grow so much as well, because you can, you can just, just seeing and hearing about all of the the different experiences that people have had and what they've overcome. Um, It gives you, you know, that room to grow your empathy and more compassionate with others. Mm, yeah, love it. And and creating a safe space. And essentially, that's what we have tried to do through this podcast and our own work as well, is creating that safe space around menopause, whilst also providing that education and 
hopefully helping as many women as we can to look at this phase of life as a natural, normal phase of life, which uh, brings with it, yes, uh, possible challenges, but also brings with it some really great re rewards. And we've spoken uh, quite a few times with various guests who talk about it as being a portal to the next phase of life <laughs> or a, an opportunity, yeah. a, a learning um, a learning opportunity as well. And it, it's quite amazing. And um, obviously with all our guests that come on, we always love to hear about their own experiences with menopause. So we'd love to hear from you. Do you have your own menopause story? Oh, well, uh, the answer is I think so. <laughs> My menopause story is a bit of a kind of jumble of confusion, um, probably like a lot of other women. Uh, I don't, I wasn't really educated about it. I didn't also, I didn't really seek it out until more recently. But even with all the information, it's still confusing because I think everyone has their own personal experience with it. And for me, I'm still not, entirely sure where I, where I'm at in the process. So um, for instance, um, I don't have the obvious signs like hot flashes that most women have yet that might be coming. I'm not quite sure. Um, the symptoms that I can say that I do have that are associated with perimenopause are um, the, the dreaded brain fog, um, the few extra hairs uh, on my chin, which um, really are quite annoying. And also um, melasma, which I don't think is often cited as a symptom, but for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's hyperpigmentation caused by hormonal changes. Yeah. And it usually affects women of color and people of Middle Eastern descent. And I am Iranian. Um, so I have that as an issue as well. So they all started becoming more prominent in the last few years, but I didn't have any clear or consistent changes to my menstrual cycle. So I wasn't entirely sure that they were perimenopausal symptoms or just symptoms of aging. So I think that if uh, my menopausal story was a book, it'd probably be a mystery because I'm still kind of in that not sure what's going on phase. Mm. And you know that they're all um, obviously symptoms that you explain. It is a very individual thing, obviously. Yeah. Um, that you know, I think sometimes it's confusion. Just that, oh well, you know, such and such, and a whole lot of people I know they've had this symptom, but I haven't had it. So right, got, you know, does that mean that I'm going through it or not? So you know, like there's 35 plus symptoms, and well, that list seems to be growing, doesn't it? So. Um, you know, and if you're only getting a few of them, well, then great. But the other thing is that, you know, what may happen now may happen differently in, um, you know, in later in later menopause or post-menopause. We know that there's a high incidence of issues related to osteoporosis and things like that once we've reached menopause right. and we're on the other side. So I think it's really great that you're aware of what is happening and I think that's something that, our listeners should take away is a real learning to it can be different and just keep an eye on um, what that looks like for you individually and it and it doesn't mean that there's anything less about it it's just that we experience it differently um yeah so it's a really good point that you make so you know no, we've talked to women that 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 just went into menopause and you know they're the 20 percent that have little or no symptoms um as well and it hasn't been an issue for them they had maybe some hot flushes but 
That's mm. about it. So they, I have to say, they're the lucky ones, right? Yes, they are. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm hoping to be one of the lucky ones as well. But I, again, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Uh, it so sounds like you're on a good out. road there. So that's good. <laughs> so far. And I say the same thing too, Lillian, actually, that I hope I'll be in that 20%. Uh, but I think you've, you've hit a good point there, Lise, that it really is just about uh, being aware of the changes that mm. you're experiencing. Um, this is And this is for listeners as well. And that's where tracking your cycle and understanding energy levels, moods, changes to skin, hair, everything is really critical because although there is no definitive, uh, yes, you're in perimenopause, there is that that buildup, isn't it? And then we do, it evolves and it changes over as we go through early perimenopause to late perimenopause mm. and then postmenopause. And, and it's just knowing, I think that's the key, is just knowing what your body is going through and being okay with it and understanding the what and the why of it that that's a really key piece that um we just haven't had that that permission to do that I think and I think that's part of all of these wonderful conversations we get to have here yeah and it comes down to I think too just in talking through this is just a lot of the work that we do is around that education so it's just knowing and that's mm-hmm. that's where the power is and a lot of women come into this time of their lives or this phase of their lives not knowing and that's where it creates you know it creates a lot of anxiety and some mental health issues around what's happening to my body because um I don't know and I feel different to what I did yesterday last month and I think that there's a reflection too that when we come into you know perimenopause menopause is that second puberty so whereas the first puberty is when we're you know, young women and uh, we're coming into our reproductive life, that takes a few years to normalise and get going and periods can be irregular and, you know, different symptoms can be irregular and they they represent, they present differently. It's the same in the second puberty where we're leaving our reproductive years behind and it's not going to all of a sudden just come to fruition and you're going to be there the one day. So it is really around that education. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Lisa. I think... Um having that information is super key. I find that uh, in my practice as well in mental health, when people understand what's actually going on, there is that a relief that comes with it. Oh, this makes sense now. Mm. Um, So I do think that the work that you're doing is so important because menopause is one of those topics that people just don't know enough about. Bang on. And actually beautiful segue into my question that I wanted to ask you is that, you know, We're obviously uh, doing that work around um, supporting and closing the gap for not just women, but for everyone in our society, including health professionals. And so um, you alluded to a little bit there, you know, what are you seeing in your own practice and across the broader health industry around this gap in menopause? How is that coming out for your clients that you're working with? Oh, look, I mean, there's a massive gap for anything to do with women's health and women's Mm -hmm. mental health. I mean, Mm -hmm. we know, we all know that the research into women's health and mental health has been woeful until Mm -hmm. only just recently, you know, it's, it's all of a sudden, Oh, we should probably research women too. You know? So it's crazy, isn't it? That still like astounds me actually. It is. It's astounding. It is astounding. So I even you know, our health professionals and mental health professionals aren't fully equipped to give us a lot of clarity about what's happening because there just hasn't been enough research there to rely on. 
And even just the assessment of the issues um, is a gap because I think a lot of people don't proactively ask about perimenopausal or potential perimenopausal symptoms. I can think of like of my own experience seeing GPs over the last decade. And I actually don't remember anyone asking me about perimenopause. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I asked my GP uh, about a year and a half ago. I said, oh, look, I'm... Uh, might have a couple symptoms. I'm not quite sure. And she suggested a blood test and then she, the results came back and she said there wasn't any indication I was in perimenopause. And then I was speaking to one of my nurse friends and she said, you can't tell from a blood test. So no, because like, it depends where your <laughs> hormones are at in that day, right? So, um, right. So she didn't ask where my, exactly. Yeah, it's like, and that's where the <laughs> symptoms education is so important and knowing about what what could possibly be the symptoms because they're your best indication. Yeah. So, I mean, even thinking about myself in my own practice, I have to mm -hmm. admit that I don't think that I've been as proactive as I could be in assessing those symptoms in the women that I see. So it's definitely something that's on my radar. And when it's on your radar, you start hearing more and more about it, mm -hmm. which is really interesting because a lot of my clients are actually talking about it at the moment. Um, and also, you know, even this is, a, this is embarrassing for me to admit, but I wrote a book about insomnia a few years ago, although I did talk about, you know, quite broadly about how health issues can affect sleep. I didn't actually specifically address menopause and even just women in sleep because, you know, women experience sleep disturbances two times more than men. And mm -hmm. part of the reason for that is all the hormonal changes we experience throughout our lives. So of course that warrants more than a brief mention. And I, and I, I wasn't even on my radar to do it until after I published it. And I started getting questions from women about, Oh, what about sleep and menopause? And I'm like, Oh, I <laughs> really? So I'm actually working on, you know, um, writing a, a chapter dedicated to women in sleep and republishing it because it's just it's such a major gap in what I've put out there. So yeah, I think that across the board, whether you're a woman, a man, a, a mental health professional, a health professional, there's it's been a major gap in our knowledge and in, you know, assessment and treatment. Yeah, definitely women. across definitely across the board in all health um related industries or occupation. You know, we know that menopause education hasn't been really on the radar for GPs and, you know, um, it, uh, it's become obvious that a lot of gynecologists don't even have that education. Uh -huh. um, and it's no, you know, it's just that we, we're really up to the lap of the gods and from where we go and study and, you know, get our qualifications from as, as to what they're sharing with us. And, and then everyone becomes busy with what they're doing and, you know, it's it's just not on your radar. But, you know, kudos to you that um, you've picked that up and you've got to rewrite that chapter or introduce it. And that's really powerful. Yeah, well, I think, um, yeah, I think it is really important. And it's, yeah, and I'm in that phase, like I said now. So it's both personally and professionally mm. important for me. Mm, true and I think it's a sign of the times as well yeah. you know we even Lisa and I in the early days of our women's health coaching we weren't really even talking about uh, menstruation or menopause no. either until just a few years ago where we both sort mm -hmm. of looked at each other and said hang on here we are in the women's health space and we haven't even been talking about menstruation and menopause and how our bodies change and the impact of that and I think it's just yeah. because it hasn't been on anyone's radar mm -hmm 
five, 10 years ago and, and prior to that, whereas now it is becoming a lot more known and still there's a lot of work to be done, but we're having these conversations. So I think there's a lot of people who will be looking back on their past work and think, hang on, why did I not ever even think about that? But I think we're, we're very much um, almost dictated to, in a sense, around what we focus on, don't we? And and given that there are a lot of health inequalities around women's health, I think it's just been a natural transition. Whereas now it's we're standing up and saying, no, we uh, we need a voice and and we need to really highlight this. Totally, and I think that you're you're right. I think the younger generations are really good at talking openly about things that you know we never mm-hmm. spoke about. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm learning a lot from how my daughter talks about things. And she's very open about, you know, cycles and menstruation and, you know, quite blunt about it, you know, and I, and I think that it's great that it's, it's not a taboo topic. It's just something that she's like, well, this is what happens to every, you know, like this is a normal part of life and everyone should know about it. Not just, you know, just, not just me, you know, I don't need to like, just be embarrassed or feel mm. like it's something that shouldn't be spoken about openly. So I think we can take a cue from the younger ones. Um, and, and I think I have noticed in the last, probably the last 12 months specifically that a lot more people are talking about menopause. So I think that that's really great. Yeah. I think there's lots of hope in that next generation coming through to really smash some of the taboos, not just around menstruation and menopause, but a whole lot of other things too. So absolutely. Yeah. And I'll share a funny story. You know, when kids start to learn about um, female and male anatomy and oh, yes. my daughter threw in the word vagina and penis in front of my parents and they looked at each other and they said, would you have ever said that in front of your parents? Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> the sign of the times, isn't it? Whereas, you know, she she calls it what it is and that's what it yes. is. Like, why are you calling yes. it something else? Whereas we called it everything else but (laughs) yeah that's right that's so true exactly there's no qualms with my kids they say all the right words yes (laughs) exactly and it should be a source of pride that you know they feel you know as for parents you know that they feel comfortable saying saying that and that we let them feel comfortable rather than say oh you can't say that or you know um, I agree and I'm sure that having the right language and being open about it really does support body image Mm. and comfortableness around bodies as well and hopefully through that 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 starts to change that trajectory a little bit as well because we are comfortable and we don't have to hide and we don't need permission to use certain words or have certain conversations and and hopefully that there's a flow on a positive flow on from that as well absolutely and I think having that um, being willing to have those open conversations if you have children, you know, having that open communication is so important. And if if you can have it about one topic, you can have it about other more challenging topics as well. So it's it has a flow on effect. I agree completely. We are really excited and fortunate to be hosting a webinar with you called Menopause and Sleep coming up on November 28th um, at midday for our Australian Eastern Standard Time listeners. Um, We will share details of the webinar in the link because we would love to have you all join along in learning a lot more about menopause, but also uh, Lillian's bringing her expertise around sleep and, and offering you knowledge and strategies on how you can support your sleep during 
you're in this phase. But we'd love to hear from you just if you have one piece of advice that you would share with other women who are coming into or going through menopause um, or even sharing an important lesson and perhaps you've already shared it through our conversation. But is there one piece of advice that you'd love to share with our listeners? Oh, look, I think apart from be as informed as possible, which we've already talked about, I think it's to be kind to yourself. I think mm-hmm. that the, the lack of control that we experience over our bodies and the uncertainty about how long it's going to last is kind of the perfect recipe for anxiety. So it's really important to validate yourself and not judge yourself because that just will make thing, you know, make dealing with the challenges of menopause worse. Um, and it's more likely to increase your anxiety and stress and it will keep you up at night. So be nice to yourself. Don't judge yourself. And definitely don't suffer in silence. Get the support that you need. And you know what? Women are so good at doing all these things they shouldn't be doing, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, that's right. All those things you just mentioned. Like we put such pressures on ourselves about, um, you know, fixing things. We're the fixers and we want to fix things now and whether that be with our family or ourselves. So that's some um, really valuable feedback. We are coming to the end of this beautiful chat and uh, we ask all our uh, guests this similar, this same question. So our podcast is all about power and finding, nurturing and using our personal power as we transition through life phases in perimenopause and beyond. We would love to know from your experience how you have come into your own power, Lillian. That's a great question. That's, <laughs> and that's usually that's usually the first comment we receive. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, look, I think if I if I have to pick, I think there's so many sources that we that there might be, but I think for me, one is one main one is like a change in mindset regarding aging. I think that it's important for me to see it as a privilege rather than a burden and to model that for my kids or any other younger women in my life as well. So I think that that makes me feel more powerful as I move through the phases of life. Mm -hmm. And I guess the other thing is just talking about um, everything more openly and having girlfriends and female family members as helpful sources of support and camaraderie and, you know, like going through everything together. I think that that really is, is so powerful. Beautifully said, and I love that. And we talk a little bit about that healthy aging piece as well and and just trying to flip it on its head because Mm -hmm. there is so much ageism and so Mm -hmm. much sexism that comes as a result of aging, isn't there? And um, I love that you have honed in on that as as your power play. (laughs) Yeah, and the more that we take the taboo off of aging and menopause, the the better off we'll, we'll all be. Hallelujah to that. Absolutely, because <laughs> we're all going to go through it and we're all getting older. That's I right. say we, we, we get older the moment we're born, don't we? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And we want to. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. It's yeah. part of our evolution and our, our birthright. That's right. So good. Great conversation, Lillian. We love your insights and, and definitely your, your pearls of wisdom there and um, things you've shared around how you've come into your power. How can our listeners connect with you? Where can they find you? Probably the best place is my website. It's drliliannejad.com. But you can find me on LinkedIn or Instagram if you prefer those avenues as well. 
Yeah, amazing. And your amazing app as well, Contain Your Brain. Yeah, that also has its own website, containyourbrain.com, and uh, also has an Instagram and LinkedIn page as well. Oh, I love that. You are super yeah. busy. You are super busy. I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> two websites or oh, two Instagram pages. Oh, <laughs> my, yes. my mind's just swirling with what that entails, but that's another conversation yeah. for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is. And it's, I actually probably have three. So oh, my goodness. <laughs> just not mentioning the other one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. I need to pare it down to two though. So I'm working on it. I'm working yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. Good. That's good to hear. Yeah. I'm hoping yeah. they don't keep you awake at night. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm working on it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Lily. It's been great to have you on our podcast and I'm sure Thank our listeners you. will love the conversation. Thanks so much, Nat and Lisa. Pleasure. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks again for sharing your time with us, learning how you can be your best energetic self, no matter what life stage you are going through. Be sure to contact us if any of this content resonates with you. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. See you next time.